So, of course, the Kirubhav, or the disappearance of Prabhupada from mortal vision, is uh, considered to be an auspicious event, but it's uh, at the same time kind of a bittersweet uh, one, if you will. And um, to reflect back on the actual Asian events surrounding that, that's where my mind uh, goes at the thought of his disappearance this morning. And um, I was with Prabhupada prior to that date, about a month or so prior to that, I was there with him in Vrindavan. And uh, one morning, it was either late September or early October, uh, I was massaging his feet and he said, you're a very intelligent boy. You should go back to America and preach. I had kind of camped out there, as a number of us had, in his company in Vrindavan to uh, you know, be with him um, in times that it appeared might be close to his disappearance, although it's not something that many of us really entertained or uh, embraced or certainly didn't uh, didn't digest uh, that uh, that possibility. Um, there were other occasions that Robert had fallen ill and so forth, and um, he uh, healed from them and uh, you know returned to his vibrant uh, campaign. So you know uh, his life itself was very miraculous. So we were without, you know, thinking about it, we were kind of just implicitly kind of programmed, at least I was, to think, of course, he's going to, you know, rebound from this. And um, I was 28 years old, so it was about close to half a century ago. That's a long time ago to think of myself as a as a 28-year-old young man. But he said to me, yeah, you're a very intelligent boy. You should go back to America and preach. So I took that uh, to mean that don't worry about me here. Go and preach. He had told me previously um, in in Mayapur, um, during the Mayapur festival, which was about six months earlier, at which time he had started to uh, uh, enter into what turned out to be the passing phase of his life, and uh, he was not disposed uh, physically to, to come to and give classes in Mayapur as he would uh, annually, and uh, others were giving classes under his direction and so forth. So the system at the time was that uh, we would spend a month in Vrindavan, or in Mayapur with Prabhupada for two weeks, I think it was, and then go to Vrindavan for two weeks of the festival annual festival um, shifted between the two doms. And so as the day uh, days approached for us to depart and go to Vrindavan, there was some question whether Prabhupada would accompany us to Vrindavan. He was too ill to give a class uh, in his own estimation, uh, which, will, as I think about it now, would have been considerable because he was uh, quite...
quite uh, driven, you know, to speak about Krishna and to, and to address this international, uh, you know, audience of students on that occasion of the Mayapur Festival would have been, you know, further impetus for something that he was very much uh, inclined to do anyway. Um, but uh, I went to him and uh, spoke to him privately on his veranda and, and told him that I was not planning on going to the Maya, to the Vrindavan part of the festival. And he said, why not? It, you know, <laughs> it was like obvious to me, but uh, in a sense, uh, he said, and I said, well, because you are the festival and you're not going to go there. He seemed to like that. Um, and then he spoke to me about how he always felt the presence of his guru, his guru Maharaj. Um, spoke a little bit about uh power of Bhagavad Gita and Krishna's presence in his words, even in his apparent absence. And then he... Um, addressed the name that he had given me Triparari and explained further its um, its meaning as it appears in the eighth, I think, eighth canto of the Bhagavatam, seventh or eighth canto of the Bhagavatam, uh, a name for Lord Shiva who was empowered by Krishna to deal with demonic influences in the world and, of course, was successful as a result of that empowerment. So he told me that it was my uh, service to follow that kind of example and through through preaching to expose um, the uh, you know, demonic conceptions and so on and so forth. And so uh, he said, you should go and you know where I will be there with you wherever you are preaching. So um, I, here he was in, in, in Vrindavan just about a month or five or six weeks before his passing, uh, telling me the same thing without me asking him anything. But uh, there I was, you know, staying with him on the basis of the same uh, thinking that uh, caused me to tell him in Mayapur six months earlier that I wasn't going to the festival, at which time again he said, no, you should go to the festival um, and represent me. Um preach to the devotees and so on and so forth. So without well, my asking but thinking a little bit about it while massaging his feet, he he said to me, You're an intelligent boy, so you should go back and preach. So I went back and I, I also, you know, I thought from that, well this is the, this is maybe further indication that he is, you know, going to rebound and so forth. And um I was there to see how the, the you know the, the end of his leader, if you will, it seemed like it wasn't going to end um, from his words. So I departed at his suggestion, if not order, and went back to the United States to continue my service there. Um, at that time, however, uh, there was already. He was already expressing a desire to go to Govardhan, Govardhan Parikrama, which would have been very difficult for him physically, but he had such a strong desire to do that that he was repeatedly was expressing that. And this, of course, uh, was in also in the midst of his uh, final commentary uh, 
on Srimad Bhagavatam, which ended with the end of the 13th chapter of the 10th canto, which is the chapter that uh, uh, kind of prelude to the Brahmakimohan Leela. It's considered, it's included within the chapters that uh, constitute the Brahmakimohan Leela. Um, and uh, to me, that was very uh, telling. Uh, being in Vrindavan, he was longing to go to Govardhan uh, and to Govardhan Purikaram with Govardhan Puja uh, approaching. You know, the way they set up the calendar is that uh, um, <clears throat> these days is that the event, an event like Govardhan Puja is calculated uh, differently um, than the day of Prabhupada's disappearance. Um, so the, the calculation that uh, gives us the date for Govardhan Puja and other similar holidays or holy days commemorating Krishna's Leela or uh, whatnot, uh, Gaur Leela, uh, they change annually from, from year to year on our uh, present day calendar, but they they chose not to do that with Prabhupada's disappearance. So it's a fixed day, which is, I guess, today. Uh, uh, I hope I'm right about that, but I, but I think so. And um, so, anyway, at the time, um, even before I left, my point is that Govardhan Puja was um, approaching. And uh, he was very bent on, on going. There was a debate amongst his uh, senior disciples as to whether he let him go or because whatever the spiritual master wants to do, you know, we should go with that or we should weigh in more humanly um, and um, discourage him from going based on the doctor's recommendations and so forth, who had said, the Ayurvedic doctor who had said that it would be detrimental, uh, very detrimental to his health. So ultimately, he um, acquiesced to the more human sweeter kind of uh, perspective than the more Aishwarya, um, majestic uh, perspective on, uh, on, on the guru. He acquiesced to the more human perspective and, and didn't go. Uh, but he longed to, and he was still uh, dictating um, somehow or other uh, his uh, commentary on the Bhagavatam, which again was in the 13th chapter, which ended, I think, with the last verse of the 13th chapter. At that point, uh, if you will, um, his Brihat uh, Murdunga, the campaign, Brihat Murdunga, of course, is a term coined by Bhakti Siddhanta Sastrataka, who referred to the uh, book publication and circulation, wide distribution of the dispensation of Mahaprabhu that extended, that had the capability, capacity to extend beyond the uh, distance that Kirtan, in, in its uh, traditional sense, chanting in the public uh, could extend uh, 
idea being that through publishing and whatnot, that that sound, the implications of Kirtan could go all, all over the world. So that was his, uh, what I refer to here as his Priyat Murdunga, you know, campaign, which was uh, considerable. Um, here he was in Vrindavan, where his initial outreach to us and, and the whole world really began. It was there that he was living, there that he retired, there that he was inspired uh, to accept a renounced order and um, made efforts to acquire the necessary documents to go to the Western world and so forth, where he had been, where it had been suggested by his guru Bhaktisiddhanta that he that he uh, go or or to to Westerners that he he share Mahaprabhu's dispensation in the English language. Prabhupada uh, Bhaktisiddhanta suggested that to him in a matter he took it. Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami took it as his as his order. So there he was back in Murdaba, if you will, where his campaign began, and he's in the midst of his commentary on the Brahmagimohan Lila. He kind of lived really in his commentaries and came out of them uh, to manage the movement and tried not to come out of them by way of establishing a governing body that would do the management for him, inept as, it, as that body was at times. Uh, he had to come out from that um, inner absorption and deal with uh, worldly and everyday, you know, uh, dealings that um, arise inevitably in a, in a, um, a mission uh, like like the one he had, consisting of many persons, many men and women, and and. Um, uh, opening temples and so forth and so on. So uh, there, um, he wasn't doing any management, if you will, and uh, he was uh, again in the final portion of his commentary. So internally absorbed, in that, and from that internal absorption, expressing a desire to go to Govardhan and participate, and Govardhan Leela was coming and so forth. Uh, so th this is uh, where he was, so to speak, at the time uh, that his Briyat Madunga was silenced. And, of course, it wasn't silenced by any external uh, influence. Nothing could get in the way of his uh, his voice. Uh, his res uh, He had a response to everything, every argument. Uh, a lot of it was, was uh, like, Spiritual common sense, uh, witticisms of a few few words or a sentence or two um, that turned our heads and uh, convinced us that the direction in which he was taking us was the uh, was the one to go. Um, so there was nothing from outside uh, that could silence him. Nothing that but would have. Uh, that went wrong within his mission, which at times things like that happened. Um, there were problems in the mission. No, that slowed him down, stopped him. In fact, when he formed the mission of ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and signed the paperwork in uh, New York for the forming of the corporation, 
He said at the time, so now we're forming this corporation, but if it should get in the way, should get in the way of the spreading of Mahaprabhu's um, dispensation, then we will um, reject it and you know, start another one or start anew. Very prophetic statement. I think it was in that he was listening, drawing on uh, things that were expressed to him by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur himself about the pitfalls of institutions, their virtues and their uh, possible problems that, that, that could arise um, um, within an institutionalization of the teachings formed to make it more accessible, the teaching, but uh, more prone in that form, uh, the teachings institutionalized uh, to uh, some form of corruption or distortion. So he must have, uh, Bhakti Center expressed that to him at Radhakund. Uh, he had made with great effort, uh, with great effort, he had established the Bhag Bazaar Moth, which was uh, perhaps the first temple uh, that he formed outside of the Dom, outside of Mayapur, where all the white siddhas, uh, Babas were staying. And to go to Calcutta was unheard of, but he went there and established a temple and so forth. And it was a pretty lavish uh, um, uh, arrangement, marble temple and so forth. A lot of money was raised for it and, and so on. But he expressed to Prabhupada at Radhakund that uh, in his mid-60s, Pakistan's Sarsitakur, that uh, you know we've gone to great trouble to establish this building, and uh, people are fighting over which room you know they should have based on their sense of uh, where they are in the pecking order, and, and so he was displeased with that. Obviously, and he told Prabhupada, if you ever get money, print books, you know we can sell them, sell the marbles. He said, <laughs> the marbles, sell the marbles, uh, you know, and, and print books. So it's something that Prabhupada imbibed, and although he established many temples and so forth, he seemed to um, reflect upon that instruction at the time of forming the institution of ISKCON, which was a great institution and, uh, and uh, was a great effort on his part, and, and had you know had problems even in his presence, but they didn't get in the way, in my point, of his. <coughs> Outreach, no matter what happened during the day, during our waking hours, he was up at night uh, uh, recording his through his dictaphone his Bhagavatam commentary. I remember once um, I was staying in Vrindavan for Krishna Bhagavatam Mandir, and I happened to get uh, a bed in a room who, in which there was a window that viewed Prabhupada's veranda. Prabhupada's room. Uh, had a upstairs veranda where sometimes he would go and sit. And in the night, during the hotter days in Rindavan, he would sit up there and translate. After we would take rest, uh, say 10 o'clock or so, um, you know, he would stay up uh, for several hours. So staying in that room, and I awoke in the night at the... Uh, to answer the call of nature, and upon re- 
returning to my bed, I looked out through the window, and there I could see Prabhupada on his veranda uh, translating a Bhagavatam. I mean, I, I knew that he was doing that, but to see him there doing that, and everywhere the lights out and everyone asleep and so forth, was very inspiring uh, to me. Um, and so it's, it's just uh, illustrating, underscoring uh, this point. Whatever happened during the day, and a lot of things happened. There were, there were problems, and there were, there were things to celebrate as, as, as well. Um, whether they were ups or downs in, in, in the course of the day, he remained uh, consistent and steady and unrelenting or, or you know, unstoppable, if you will, in his um, literary work in, in playing his uh, big Murdunga, the big Brihat Murdunga. Um, it takes a lot of composure and a lot of uh, deep uh, standing in um, in bhakti. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there he would be at night uh, while we were asleep, uh, continuing his translation of the Bhagavatam. So there was no point here is no there was no external force that uh, silenced his um Murdanga. But there he was, if you can imagine, in Vrindavan, contemplating the Govardhan Leela and and the Brahma Bimohan Leela Brahma Leela being where he was absorbed in his writing and the Govardhan Leela approaching um, um Time, the time to commemorate that. This is, you know, during the Kartik month in Vrindavan, a very celebra- celebratory um, month, and uh, that's where he was really dwelling. And in the midst of that, his drum, if you will, was silenced again, not by any external influence, but by really by the blessing of Krishna, who was inviting him to lunch. There, he he had a painting. Uh, placed in his room. Um, I, uh, I believe it was somewhere else and he asked for it to be placed there. And that was a, a famous pit painting. I don't know which of his disciples did that, but uh, of Krishna uh, taking lunch with his coward friends. The picture in particular depicts the Bhamavimohan Leela, which has preceded um, the, the actual appearance of, of Brahma. Uh, by Krishna's lunching with his friends and the uncommon appearance, if you will, of Krishna, who was Brahma's guru, who previously saw the dawn of creation with the Gyan Mudra looking very Upanishadic, although dressed as a gopa nonetheless. Here he was with uh, with uh, rice and fruit mixed together in his left hand with his friends in a very intimate setting. And um, uh, it was a setting, so Prabhupada wanted that picture there, and it was a setting that Prabhupada at other times ex- expressed identification with and a longing to, to enter into. So we can say definitively uh, by a careful study of his own statements about his inner life and um, and 
other things that he did, such as having that painting placed there and so forth. That is, the Dunga was silenced not by any external force, but by the blessing of Krishna, inviting him to lunch once and for all, if you will. So, uh, you know, in, in this bhava that uh, um, he was absorbed in was um, obviously uh, that longing was a longing that was very well deserved and arose out of, as Baba really does, actual Baba, out of Shraddha and, and wholesale uh, Sharanagati. His surrender was not uh, partial, but wholesale. And um, that uh, Shraddha and Sharanagati, that's the focus, if you will, of, of, of Sadhana Bhakti, which gives birth to Bhava Bhakti, which is focus of which, are, which is or which is characterized by by this kind of longing. So longing, there may be some longing in Sadhana Bhakti, but the longing is is what Bhava Bhakti is characterized by. Whereas uh, at which time Shraddha and Sharanagati are you know in very much in place. The the theatrical uh, stage of Sharanagati in which the drama of Leela, Leela, Krishna Leela is enacted, is already e- erected at that time. So prior to Baba, we are a little bit busy uh, with building the stage of Shraddha and Sharanagati, strengthening the Shraddha, building the stage of Sharanagati, Sharanagati being the external expression of Shraddha or internal faith. Um, uh, So that Shraddha-Sharanati, this is the focus of Sadhana Bhakti, and excessive longing that is not, uh, in which one is unconcerned, if you will, with developing the stage of Sharanagati through one's, which show or demonstrate the measure of one's faith. Uh, that's uh, not, uh, we call real bhava. So, his Bob is real, if you will. This is the one of the objective ways by which we can understand that. We look at the measure of his Shraddha and Sharanagati, and it is extreme. The measure of his surrender, as he expresses in his poem on the Jaladutta, for example. There, incidentally, in that poem, famous poem, the first half of the poem is all about Sharanagati. The second half of the poem is all about uh, the lolium longing in, in bhava and their longing for sakiras he prays so here his prayers are answered krishna has invited him to lunch in his Madanga's silence, he's spoken so sweetly and so such conviction and so widely about the secrets of the Brindaban uh, Leela uh, that uh, it's a little bit embarrassing to Krishna. You know that about me? So Krishna's put his hand over his mouth now, silenced him, and brought him within his 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 midst inviting him to that luncheon that he, at times, um, 
voice the longing to enter into and to eat ladus and kachoris, kachoris um, with, with Krishna. Hmm? Um, so we should pray on a day like this that we might have a measure, a measure of the measure of our shraddha and sharanagati will grow to the extent that it will actually uh, give birth to uh, bhava and the open arms of Krishna's entourage, the Surup Shakti inviting us into the Leela in a manner that corresponds with our bhajan uh, here in the case of Sakyarasa. Then we want to join in that uh, in that luncheon. Mm-hmm. Not that uh, gopis don't want to. They also want to join that lunch, <laughs> but they can't by the nature of the leela, uh, which is uh, 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 that inability, of course, augments their parakia and makes it as special um, as it is. Uh, so uh, a very uh, special occasion the disappearance. I wasn't there personally because, again, he had sent me back, if you will, to uh, to continue my service in in, in the United States. Um, but um, uh, there he passed. Uh, must have been just after, you know, some days uh, that year, or maybe a week or two, even after Govardhan Puja, and. Um, and uh, word was sent out, you know, around the world. I was in St. Louis at the time. We had a little shoebox of a house. There was a temple that was next in line on the block to be demolished by the city, um, who was going to give us money for it at their price. We could purchase another building. So it was a shabby old place. But what I'm reminded of at the time, is just thinking about it at the moment, um, is that uh, I announced it, it was told to me I was the leader. We had about 60 brahmacharis there. I was, uh, I had announced it to the devotees, and we had a, you know, a commemoration ceremony. There was a feast and all. Um, and that's the feast, a godbrother of mine named Suradas. Some of you may know him. Um, he, that before the Vyasasana uh, the Prabhupada and played the harmonium and sang, and he had a very hoarse uh, kind of a, a deep but very sweet uh, voice. And um, he sang in glorification of Prabhupada in a way that was very, um, very moving. He was very moved by that. Remember him always for that. It was very, very touching. Um, it, 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 um, it was again 60 or, 60 or so of us. Hope you're there. I've been talking for a long time. Um, hope you can hear me. Um, yeah, you're good. It was a very, it was a, it was a very, um, uh, you know, Prabhupada disappearing from the world, and everybody kind of 
understood it. Not everybody felt it exactly the same way. Um, and uh, was sitting after the feast, which, you know, was, it was turned into a little bit of a lighthearted scene, as I recall it, which didn't seem entirely appropriate to me to sort of go up where it was upstairs or where it was in the, in the next room and see him playing that. It, to me, it 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 spoke to my own feelings on the on the on the occasion of this his disappearance, which then in Vrindavan was um, uh, commemorated. I don't want to say celebrated or whatever or uh, dealt with appropriately, probably even on Orion Maharaj, uh, had been uh, requested previously to come and oversee that uh, procedures of the Samadhi, something that we were didn't know anything about. He was the officiating priest for Prophet Sanyas, which he received uh, from uh, Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj, the guru of Bhakti Narayan Maharaj. Um, and uh, and Prabhupada was taken, his form was taken through the streets of Vrindavan. Everything in Vrindavan stopped on that day. Every shopkeeper, every man, woman, and child they came to the street to, to see him. Uh, you know, the final uh, darshan of Prabhupada, who had brought Vrindavan to the world and brought the world to Vrindavan. That's it was just an amazing feat, amazing accomplishment. Um, he brought uh, Vrindavan to the world, uh, who had heard of it, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's similar to how uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had commissioned group and Sanatan to reestablish or resurrect uh, the places of Krishna's pastimes. They did that through their vision, through their bhava, and uh, they secured the patronage of the royalty at the time who would then uh, give from their treasuries the money to commission architects and builders to make a god, to make a temple, to commemorate the vision of the Goswamis. Krishna did this here, Krishna did this there and so forth. So they put it really on the map when Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev went to Vrindavan as he longed to do repeatedly um, from the time of taking sannyas. Um, when he did manage to uh, uh, make the journey uh, there, he found Radhakund and Shamkund, and they weren't understood as such by the people. Um, so then, to have the Goswamis do the work of further excavating the places of Krishna's pastimes, gaining as they did the patronage of the kings, and so the places like Radhakund and Shamkund were built up, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So they, they revealed to the world uh, Vrindavan. They gave Vrindavan you know, to the world. And it was the center, uh, really, of uh, of Gaudi Vaishnavism. Um, so, in a way that's analogous, different, but analogous, nonetheless, Prabhupada gave Vrindavan to a larger um, world, celebrating it, building its Krishna Balaram temple, uh, which was from, from where he passed, where he put Krishna Balaram, his Ishtadevata, on the central 
you know, altar um, with a flags above all three altars. That was the tallest flag, uh, Krishna Malaram's flag. Um, at the time, it was a forest, uh, and Prabhupada got a donation of the land. It was a, it was a dangerous place comparatively to the to, you know, to the city or the town of Vrindavan itself. Um, but uh, it drew many, many pilgrims, ultimately many devotees from all over the world, international devotees. They, they came to the world. The building of the temple uh, symbolized the acceptance of Vrindavan of the international community of the students. Many, many dignified people uh, came and spoke. Some Brahmin boys, born and bred, were initiated by him. That was a big thing, um, and so forth. So we brought the world to Vrindavan in that sense, and, and, and we bought, we had a lot of money. You know, the United States, Europe, uh, these countries, Canada, and so they were uh, wealthy compared to uh, India. So they would come from uh, Kishore Kishori's temple, from Radha Govinda's temple in Chicago, New York, from from uh, Temples from uh, all over North America, Radha London, Ishwar, uh, and, and so forth. And they, the temple presidents would come with bags of money <laughs> to spend on their deity, outfits and silver crowns and so forth. So they were bringing a lot of economy, I want to say, to uh, the Vrindavan merchants. Lloyd Bazaar was, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a Place for for cloth, for wool, very bizarre. But there were a couple of merchants who had you know, Mukut who sold deity crowns and made outfits and so forth, and they became prominent in in, in Loy Bazaar because that was the closest bazaar to the Krishna Balaram uh, Mandir. So they all they and you know it's the rest of Vrindavan also. Um, the world came there in the form of its its uh, its material wealth and so forth and well-being, uh, materially speaking, of the inhabitants of Vrindavan was um, thought saw, seen to and increased, uh, facilitated by Prabhupada, while at the same time facilitating our spiritual life and the spiritual life of the inhabitants of Vrindavan who, who could um, pay attention and, and um, look deeper as to what he was offering, but it was, it's interesting to note that both materially and spiritually, um, he um, uh, was benefiting at, at, the, at, at, at the same time. So when he was taken through the streets on the palanquin, his transcendental form for the final darshan accompanied by some kirtan, I mean, every stop, every shop stopped, the clock stopped. In the Dharma, and everyone lined the streets. I wasn't there, but the, the stories were there, and some pictures were there. And you can imagine from what I'm saying what what Prabhupada meant to them. I mean, uh, they named shortly, you know, before that, I think at the time of, would have been 1975, the time of uh, uh, opening of the Krishna Balaram Temple, Balaram Temple, the road from Delhi, turn off from the uh, and the road to Delhi that goes into Vrindavan was renamed Bhaktivedanta Swami Marg, the path to Vrindavan. I remember there was a fellow who uh, was actually from the Advaitin Sampradaya, but converted to Rodi Vaishnavism 
but he was not very much in line with the Goswami's teachings and uh, not deeply informed on on, on that. Um, and he knew Chaitanya Goswami from the Radharaman Goswami family from previous times. And so he, having been converted to Gaudi Vaishnavism, he came to Vrindavan and he looked up Chaitanya Goswami and he asked Chaitanya Goswami to come to America where he had been preaching and preach the you know, Gaudiya Siddhanta, which he was not that informed about. Um, it's kind of odd that he was converted, but, but it's a long story. Anyway, uh, Chaitanya Goswami uh, told me the story. But I knew the fellow. I didn't know him personally, but I knew of his preaching and so forth. And um, told me that he had been invited and he went and so forth. And he said the man has no understanding of Gaudi Vaishnavism. He's, he's living on his good karma and, it's, and, he, and he's expiring it because he had lots and lots and lots of lots of money. And so he told me that, that he criticized uh, in, on one occasion Prabhupada and Chaitanya Goswami told me that I was quick to, to, to silence him. I told him, you don't go, you cannot enter Vrindavan in, in, without thinking like that about Swami, Swamiji, Prabhupada. That is not possible. He's the road to Vrindavan. He was making the point in a, in a deeper sense. I very much appreciated it. So, um, this, was a, this was a condition at the time of his departure. And uh, Vrindavan was a lot simpler then, much, much, much less uh, uh, developed uh, materially and uh, less populated and more quaint and um, family-like, if you will, shop holders, uh, shop owners inviting uh, people, presidents and sannyasis to their houses for lunch hoping to get their patronage and so forth, but also inspired, inspired by them and by the Prabhupada G, Swami G. Um, so it's a, it's a very memorable occasion. It, 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 it is passing. It, it reminds me of how the passing of Sanatana Goswamis in Vrindavan is spoken of, how um, everything stopped. Villagers from all over the branch, not just in the Vrindavan, came out, and every man, woman, and child shaved their head because Sanatan used to keep his head shaved. He's called Munda, Munda Baba, shaved-headed Baba. They all shaved their heads by way of saying, as a way of saying, you know, that we we have our allegiance to him, the elder of the six Goswamis, guru figure in the life of. Rupa Goswami, etc. So, uh, and they also loops not that they used to deal with the practical everyday problems of people to some extent would bring for bring to them an argument for between two for a resolution and whatever the Goswami spoke kindly, bringing themselves down from their internal life to deal with that. That was agreed upon, and so dira dira janapriya priyakaro. So they are described by Shrinivas Goswami. 
similarly uh, feeling Prabhupada in, in a way as I'm saying he he was uh, very much loved even on a on a base level for what he did for the people of Vrindavan and they could understand what he was doing in a larger sense for the Vrindavan that they were connected to by their birth and to their heritage the ideal of Srimad Bhagavatam and so forth and seeing it alive in the eyes uh, that reflected the hearts of his excited uh, disciples uh, was very um, endearing to them. They made real friendships. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back of some of the Mukutwalas and Tulsi Wallas and so forth. They made real friendships with some of the warriors. Now their sons and grandsons are sitting in, the, in those shops and and, and so forth, and, and what this moment was in time of Prophet's passing, what it must have meant to them is maybe a little lost, and therefore it's a need annually for this kind of commemoration of Prophet's disappearance that, uh, that, that some some persons who were personally uh, known to him and served him, saw him with, with their eyes, felt him, his friendship, their hearts um, uh, would uh, speak on such occasions and and and, and uh, share with us. His, you know, now he's he has grandchildren. Hmm? What such a wonderful thing! Um, uh, share with them something about the uh, significance of his his his, his campaign. Um, it's talked about, of course, all the time by you know, different persons and in different ways and so forth. But um, these are a few of my thoughts on this uh, occasion. Shri Sri Bhaktivedanta Swami Kijai. I didn't plan to give a whole lecture on this, but here I have. But I still uh, take some questions if anyone has any questions. Would you like the questions to be, Kamaraj, would you want the questions to be directly about the talk today? Well, if there are any about the talk today, first we'll take those. And if there are others beyond that, um, then we'll we'll take them. I actually have questions. Yeah, I have a question. Kamaraj? Can you hear me? Yes. I I have a question from the talk today. Um, When you were talking about the two perspectives of taking Srila Prabhupada on Parakrama around Govardhan, and you called one Aishvarya and one um, more human, Um, which perspective? Madhurya. Yes. Okay. So which perspective did you um, endorse at that time? You know, at that time, um, I was not directly involved in the discussion. A discussion was going on amongst uh, Prabhupada's servant and, uh, you know, a couple of GBC members who were, you know, organizers, managers and whatnot, and, and the doctor. It wasn't like a vote or, a, you know, a popular, you know, what do you think, let's take a vote. 
wasn't that everybody was included in the discussion. Everybody knew the discussion was going on. I was not, um, I would say, I was not as privy to the uh, physical details, doctor's report, and so forth. So I suppose I was a little inclined towards, you know, um, let's uh, let's go on the park run. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't at the time look at it as a majestic perspective the way I was looking at that. So that's kind of a third perspective that maybe I could say was mine. I thought, you know, that um, um, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I you know, I'm just kind of re- trying to remember it. Um, and it seemed to seem to pass rather quickly. So but I, I kind of remember thinking I'd like to go on that park run with Prabhupada around uh, Vrindavan. Krishna will Krishna will protect them. You know, he's a, here he is. He's a coward. You know, this is what Krishna does. You know, so he, he, the cowherds they they tend to take uh, what would appear to be a risk, like you take the Brahma Vinohan Leela preceded by the Agasur Leela, which was included in, in it, as I mentioned that. Uh, uh, and um, and uh, uh, there they wanted to, you know, enter into Agasura's mouth. Some of them even knew that it was a serpent, and they thought, "Well, Krishna would protect us." So I kind of had that kind of a perspective. I think it was more uh, Madhuri-like in a in a different way. Um, Rather than it's the order of the spiritual master, whatever he says we should do, that's what I'm talking about. Kind of Madhurya, you know. Every uh, and then the other one is no, no, you know, we, we should we should tend to his health. And, and the third one being um, more of a classic perspective. That's how I, I thought about it. Does that help? Yes, that's because right, I remember being very um, moved by both sides at the time and. I'd hear one side and I'd think, yeah, that that sounds right. And then I hear the other side, and so it was, yeah, right. it was hard. It was hard to really know at that time. So I was curious to hear what your thoughts were. So yeah. <clears throat> anybody else? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. Does anybody else have a question from the talk today? You do unmute yourself if you can. So we have a few questions from the people who had submitted earlier. Do you want to take some of those, Gumaraj? Sure. Okay. I'm going to start with um, the Brighton devotees. Um, Amrita Gopaldasi has a question. Thanks, Tisha. Okay. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hello, Krishna. Gumaraj, this is Mohini Kasi. Um, we're here with uh, Madan Mohan and our friend Amrita Gopal Dasi. She would like to ask a question. Okay. So I'll hand it over to her. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much for speaking so wonderfully about Sri Prabhupada's appearance. 
it was to hear you talk about your experience and also this the auspiciousness of the day coupled with the bittersweetness. So thank you again. And also I want to say about your disciples, Mahi and Madan Mohan, they are just wonderful and they represent to me so beautifully there in Brighton. So thank you very much for training them so wonderfully. My question relates to Sri Raghunath Das Goswami's Sri Govardhan Bas Patanadas Sri Govardhan Bas Patanastikam. And in that Ashtakam, Raghunath Das Goswami speaks about the rasa that Govardhan has for Sri Krishna, that that sweetness in Shankaras. And I would like to know more about the characteristics and flavor of that rasa. And I would also like to know how that rasa, how it's rays, if you like, how its flavor influences those who take shelter of Govardhan. Thank you. Sakirasa. You want to know something about Sakirasa? Is that the question? Specifically, pardon me for interrupting, specifically how Govardhan manifests his Sakirasa, how that, how that mellow um, influences his love for Krishna. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, so, yes, Raghunath Das has uh, made that connection later. Vishwanath Chakraditakur has also commented in that regard. And um, we have a, uh, there's a famous verse from the Venu Gita of the Bhagavatam where the gopis are speaking about the power and influence of Krishna's uh, flute. And uh, in those um in this chapter, the voice of Radha in the estimation of our uh, foundational commentaries, commentators, uh, is expressed with regard to the glorification of Govardhan. So Radharani sings the praise of, of Govardhan in the, in, in the context of glorifying or speaking about the effects of Krishna's uh, flute, and she refers therein to Govardhan, as you may know, as Haridas Vari, the best of the servants of, of Haridas. Um, and um, when we then take that and combine it together with the idea of Govardhan in Sakirasa, we look at how uh Raghunathas Goswami and his work and Jiva Goswami and his writings in Gopal Champu, for example, have played out that uh idea, Haridasvarya, all the ways, if you will, in which Govardhan serves. Um we also uh find it in uh Rupa Goswami's Don Kali Lila where through the voice of uh, Brinda Devi, Govardhan is glorified. <clears throat> there in Govardhan is glorified. Govardhan, you know, is, is a hill that has many peaks. It's, it's very, um, uh, horizontally wide with a number of peaks rather than just, uh, you know, two vertical edges going to a, uh, a, a zenith. So Brinda Devi reflects, um, on the, Virtues, the glories of Govardhan, and, and compares him to. It says he's 
better than an antisage. Mm-hmm. Um, many peaks of Govardhan here are compared to the many hoods of an antisage. An antisage holds Vishnu in his lap, right, as a support, a bedstead, if you will. But Govardhan becomes the playground for Radha and Krishna's pastimes. He facilitates those leelas. Um, and so in speaking like that, she identifies Govardhan with, with a, a better, better than Anantasesh, who is, of course, an expansion of Baladev, who is the best friend of Krishna. Hmm? And who is not only the object of love along with Krishna for those in Sakyarasa, but also embodies Sakyarasa itself for Krishna. So he's he Baladeva's object of love for Sakyarasa and embodies the ideal of Sakyarasa also. So <clears throat> if we look then at Govardhan through that uh, lens, kind of the Goswami lens, if you will, then um, uh, we also understand the compatibility between Sakyarasa and Madhurya Rasa. Vatsalya Rasa and Madhurya Rasa are not compatible. Dasya Rasa and Vatsalya Rasa, they're uh, not uh, compatible. Sakyarasa on the other hand is compatible with Madhurya Rasa. And in the form of the Narmasakas, the most intimate friends of Krishna, then uh, they are very much uh, essential hmm, to the intimacy and union of Radha and Krishna that's uh, so uh, uh, desired within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If we look at Baladev, Balaram in Krishna, really, he cannot directly participate in, in the Madhurya Rasa, but when he comes as Nityananda Prabhu, he is the biggest advocate of that, although he himself is in Sakya Rasa, and persons attracted to him also developed that Sakya Rasa. He uh, broadcasted the glorified Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought attention to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the gift of Madhurya Rasa that he came to share. So he's able to come out all around as Nityananda and actually speak about the virtues and the glories of Madhurya Rasa that he can't do in Krishna Lila itself directly. <clears throat> Point being here that, that this further serves to illustrate the supporting role, if you will, that Sakya Rasa plays in the in the drama, uh, the Parakya drama, that is in another sense central to Vrindavan and, and, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So Sakyaras is an important um, uh, and supporting bhava within Gaudiya Vaishnavism that a number of devotees would be influenced by, like my Guru Maharaj, following the lead of Nityananda and his associates, who really started the, the Sampradaya before the Goswamis had written any books they were initiating and so forth and, uh, and uplifting the downtrodden, particularly the work of Nityananda Prabhu. This is the 
the, the, the one of the ways in which we say Nityananda is the best. We can look at ways to say Grada was the best associate or Advaita. There are different ways to talk about them all, and, but as far as Nityananda, there was a wide scale distribution to the downtrodden and disenfranchised, socially disenfranchised people like the like the mercantile community of Saptagram and West Bengal and so forth that he uh, delivered, whom he was commissioned further and encouraged by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to remain amongst and uh, deliver. And so uh, it's a very much a supporting role. So uh, Goldan hmm, is very much supporting the uh, intimate leelas of Radha and Krishna. And uh, if you look at Govardhan and Sakiras and you want to extend that to the full measure of Sakiras, which was which is Sakiras influenced by Madhurya, as we call uh, Narma Sakabhav or Priyanarma Sakabhav, then there's nothing that these, uh, according to Rupa Goswami, these these, these uh, Priyanarma Sakas, there's no Leela too intimate for them to participate in. They know about all of them. They're all knowing. Um, they, uh, they, all the secrets. And Govardhan is all knowing also. He towers up, so he sees over everything. There's nothing that he misses. So if we worship him, there's no Leela that we'll miss out on. If we want revelation, uh, as intimate as it may be, it can be afforded. Govardhan, he can give everything. So once, and it reminds me of, I was once objecting uh, to some uh, statements of some uh, followers of Pujapad Sridhar my, my Siksha Guru, who said that uh, Prabhupada is in Sakyarasa, um, and Sridhar had said, of course, and they were repeating that, and they said, if, so if you want Madhuri Rasa, well, that's a problem. You know, you're going to have to find a Madhuri Rasa Guru. I didn't like that uh, very much, although my own affinity is for Saki Rasa. Um, and I don't disagree that, that certainly to have a, a, a Madhuri Rasa Siksha Guru would be useful. But the way it was being spoken about, I, I didn't appreciate it. I brought it up to, anyway, I brought it up to Pujapad, Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Marjan, Red Prophet's poem on the Jaladuka to him. And he liked it very much. He said, oh, yes, Saki Rasa. And I made that statement. Some people are saying this, that if you have Prabhupada as your guru and you, and you want Saki Rasa, or Madhuri Rasa, then it's a problem. He said, Baba, if you think like that, that, that if you have a guru like Swami Prabhupada and, and you think you have a problem, then you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> he will make he, he will make any all, all arrangements, and we see that he did that. Huh? He made arrangements to bring, for example, Shiva Marsh into the into the lives of his disciples, who was himself steeped in Madhurya Rasa, and others um, also of that uh, influence came to give support to some of Prabhupada's disciples who were not finding support in uh, in. Some of the uh, leadership of uh, amongst Prabhupada's own, own, own disciples. So uh, we consider that to be Prabhupada's arrangement. But uh, I would look at Govardhan, I hope this helps Govardhan along these lines in the way in which 
Sakiras is supportive of Madhurira. So, you know, there's no friends of Krishna that are more supportive than Subal, Ujval, um, Gandharva, and so forth, these type of Narmasakas, who, who Subal is characterized as risking his entire life, you know, for the sake of the union of, of Radha and Krishna. So, if we look a little down along those lines, I think uh, that may be helpful. Does that, uh, that help? Very helpful, Maharaj. So many thanks. Many, many, many thanks to you. Okay. Thank you for your question. Okay. Anything do you want else? to take What's your feelings about going on with more questions? Are there more? Um, we have one, two, three, four, about four more questions. Yeah, I can answer some more. Okay. Um, the next question is from Raja Hari. It's in the chat, so I'll have to read it. Um, this is from the Madhura Rastakam, verse 8, which says, His gopas are sweet. His cows are sweet, his staff is sweet, his act of creation is sweet, his defeat of demons is sweet, and his bestowal, bestowal of fruits is sweet. Everything is sweet about the original Lord of sweetness. And the question is, is this sweet verse in the mood of Sakya? And how can we understand his act of creation? In connection with Sakya Ras. Where's the what? Where's the verse from? Um, it is from. Um, it's Vallabhacharya in his Sri Madhurya Rastakam. Well, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, an expert on Balabacharya, but I can tell you that Balabacharya himself was not in Sakya Rasa. And if it's Madhurya Rasa Astakam, then it's, uh, it's fairly obvious that he's speaking uh, from a Madhurya Rasa perspective. Madhurya Rasa is uh, prominent in the Balabha Sampradaya, as is Vatsali Rasa. Um, Virasa is a little more uh, in the background and esoteric side of the Balava Sampradaya, whereas the face that's uh, prominent and uh, more widely circulated in the Balava Sampradaya is that of Vatsalya. Um, the type of Madhurya there we find is a little different and that which is idealized in the Gaudi Vaishnavism. Uh, so I wouldn't think that Balava Acharya is, is writing in a mood of Sakyarasa. Now that said, you, there are prayers that have been written, for example, in Gaudi Vaishnavism by um, uh, Acharyas like, let's say, let's say Rupa Goswami in Madhurya Rasa, in which uh, Sakyarasa is glorified. Um, and even individuals like Subal are glorified um, uh, by him. Now, 
his famous, famous verse of Rupa Goswami Ujbal Nilmani is said to be spoken by him in the Bhav of, 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 of Rupa Manjari, in which he's trying, she is trying to inspire love for Subal in another um, budding, uh, developing newcomer uh, in Madhuri Rasa, that, that, that she may know the position of Subal and how important that is and to have connection with him in order uh, to participate in Sakya, in, in Madhurya Rasa. The famous verse where he says, there's, there's, you know, there's no favor that uh, Subal is, doesn't have eligibility for just see when a lover uh, of Krishna, Radha, is lying uh, on on Krishna and uh, if she should become upset with him and leave, he goes and brings her back and he's fanning, fanning the, the, the couple in this intimacy and, and, and so forth. So uh, he marvels at, she marvels at the you know, the person of, of, um, of Subal. That's a verse spoken in Madhurya Rasa, but it obviously has its application in uh, for Sakyaras devotees who will say it in glorifications of Subal as well. There are other prayers by Rupa Goswami uh, petitioning Subal, for example, bring before the divine couple who, who you are very best friends of, uh, by your grace, introduce me to them and, and so forth. So that, that some, there are some point being that there are some prayers that are written in, in the Bhava Madhurya Rasa, but still they, they can apply to Sakiras Bhakti, you notice written some prayers like that as well about uh, aspiration to live in Nabadweep, in Godrun, in Gopabhav. It can be interpreted like that. That's more the overt translation of the Bengali, but there's another way of looking at it where it's an aspiration to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu enter into Gopabhav from a Madhurya Ras perspective. So, so all I'm making a, a large uh, Speaking a lot to say a small thing is that despite despite the fact that that the, the poem you cite the verse that you cite is written in a Madhuryastikam by Vallabhacharya, and in that sense you could say it doesn't have anything to do with Sakyas. It, it still could be used. Um, it, it, it could be it could be voiced in Sakyas or in pursuit of Sakyas as well. As to the question about creation, sweet is his creation, hmm? uh, there's a couple of ways that that could be looked at. It's not a verse I'm familiar with, and I, and I haven't studied the whole Astakam, but just on its face, then, of course, creation immediately makes us think of the world uh, creation, which is said in the sutras to be lokavatu, like something in Develops only out of Leela, out of a play of God, not about an incess, out of, out of any necessity on his part, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and now we can, when we think of the material world, we think, well, what does that have to do with Krishna Leela? Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, it actually has a lot to do with Krishna Leela. So if we want to look at it as sweet, in connection with all of those things that are mentioned as sweet, that are so internal. How does this external, apparently external thing fit in? Well, uh, it's thought that Krishna Leela, being human-like from the Gaudi perspective, 
is uh, able to play itself out hmm, with greater sweetness in the material creation because it's a human-like pastime or leva, and when it's played out in human society, well, it's like a movie that's said to be uh, better or enhanced by the fact that it is filmed on location. Rather than making props and making it look like uh, human society, it actually is human society with all of its, its with its it centered on its strength and its simultaneous weakness. The strength of human humanity is its is its, its, its love, and that's its weakness. <laughs> that's its greatest weakness at the same time. So Krishna enters the world of his his creation. To do to engage in his prakat lila, and there's a certain sweetness there that, that is added to it. Uh, just like, for example, the birth of Krishna. Well, that takes place in the prakat lila, largely, right? Um, so, from Kavikarnapur's uh, perspective, as in Ananda Vrindavan Champa, he says the lila is there just so that Mother Soda could actually experience the birth of Krishna. From his perspective, the birth doesn't take place in the Aprakat Leela. Others have different perspectives on that, but that's a way of thinking about it. And overall, the human society is, humans are central to the, to the, to the creation of the world. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the focus of people in hell and the people in heaven too <laughs> on earth. It's got a little bit of, a little bit of both, right? Uh, so actually within the creation, it's a very, uh, earth, uh, centric, uh, pers- perspective. And Krishna's thought to appear on earth to play out his pastimes in, 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 which becomes sweeter. That's one way of thinking about that. Another way, of course, is the Vrindavan is also his creation and it's very sweet. And therefore, the Bhagavatam says, uses those exact words. It says, what is the verse? Uh, uh, it's another creation. This Bhagavatam, which is about Vrindavan opening, is another creation altogether. But you can look at it like that as well. I hope that very long answer helps. Forgive me for being too wordy. Another question? Krishna Das, you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Uh, Dandava Pranams, uh, good morning, Guru Maharaj. Good morning, Krishna Das. Um, so my question is, let's see. So recently I was having a conversation with a friend who is curious to learn more about Gaudiya Vaishnavism and we were talking in particular about how Gaudiya Vaishnava theology addresses the philosophical problem of evil or suffering. However, there was uh, one thing that came up that I had a little bit of difficulty answering to my friend's satisfaction uh, regarding how karma is simultaneously both a law that dispenses just results for one's actions in due time and teaches one to ultimately rectify their character and learn from their mistakes. So the question ultimately boiled down to, why do the vast majority of living entities not remember their past lives and actions done therein uh, if the ultimate purpose of the karmic reactions they receive 
uh, beyond just dispensing justice is to have them learn from their past actions. So I brought up some points to them about how it's in a way merciful that one doesn't remember everything and how cumbersome and potentially traumatic it could be to be weighed down with memories of effectively infinite lifetimes worth of actions. But I was wondering what your thoughts are on this topic of karma as both a force of justice and rectification and how you would answer the question. Well, I think that you can't uh, expect to be in knowledge when you're absorbed in pursuing ignorance. So ignorance is attachment to the ephemeral on the part of an eternal, right? And that in pursuit of enduring and happy life. So to be attached to things that don't endure and pursue happiness in an enduring sense in relation to them is ignorance. And that's what material life is. So when you're pursuing the ignorance, how can you expect to be in knowledge at the same time? <laughs> so you're not going to be in knowledge. But in human life, you get the opportunity to hear from sadhus about what constitutes repercussions from previous actions, that is your karma. And you can see that there are consequences for actions that we take. So there's an explanation of that given by the uh, by the scriptures from the Vedanta point of view, mm, from sadhus and so forth. They give the knowledge. Mm, they tell us. Then once we have that knowledge from them, then we can see also in this life how the things happen to us and we can learn from them. We can look at it, as you say, as a, as, as a learning, you know, um, experience. Oh, this is happening to me because of my karma and you know, I'm learning from it. But without that uh, knowledge from sadhus, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, or, or it's, it's unreasonable to expect that you would have a knowing when what you're experiencing is, is, the, is the direct result of being absorbed in unknowing, in ignorance. Hmm? So you can't get knowledge out of ignorance. Ignorance is what karma is. Hmm? So I don't think it's 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 it's, it's exactly as, as as you may have been thinking about it. That well, here's the punishment so that you can learn from it, and um, and built into the punishment. It's just like if I, if I say to my child, okay, now you did this, therefore I am taking away your allowance. This is the punishment for what you did. Now you can understand that uh, as you experience the punishment, you can understand uh, that it's a consequence of this action. This action is bad, so you can learn. Well, it doesn't exactly work like that. That's kind of how you're thinking about it. Because, again, uh, you know, why, don't, why don't we remember our past lives? <laughs> well, because of the way we conduct ourselves in this life and in the previous lives. Hmm? We can't expect to remember the past lives would be to be in knowledge of them. How can we expect to be in knowledge of them when we're in direct pursuit of abject uh, ignorance? But in human life, we get a chance for sadhusanga and so forth, and we can learn these things theoretically, and some of them will appear to be uh, empirically um, 
uh, with true or there's empirical evidence for them. There's a way, in other words, like attachment to things is the womb from which suffering is born. Well, you can you can test that, you know, and see my attachment. I don't have it. I want it. It's giving me anxiety. Uh, I have it. I feel it might I might lose it. It's giving me anxiety or I do lose it. You know, it's giving me anxiety. So it's verifiable. Hmm? Some of the things that we're taught that we're taught an angle of vision that we weren't. We, we didn't what was not our vantage point hmm? previously. And uh, so the value of, of Sada Summit. Now, once you have that again, then what you're talking about applies a little bit more. You can you can see in this level I did this and see I therefore uh, then uh, I got that reaction or if I do this I'll get that reaction therefore I won't do it I think that's how I would look at it does that help uh, yes uh, thank you very much Guru Maharaj Hare Krishna okay. you can't expect to be in knowledge when you're pursuing ignorance this <laughs> we don't go together all right so I think are there any other questions. We have a question from Kishore. Um, he has it written. Okay, and in the chat also I'll read it to you. Um, Nichananda Prabhu is said to purchase those who worship Gore. Ye John Gorangaba Se Amara Prana Ye Right. We can we think of those who have an affinity for Sakyaras as devotees who are purchased by Nityananda in a special way? Yeah, definitely. And that's, you're lucky for that. One who hears that prayer thinks, wow, to be purchased by him, that would be extraordinary. Um, right? Yeah, for sure. Yes, I would say. I have a short answer to that, and that is yes. A good, good way to think. So, all right, we've gone a little bit over half hour. I think I'll stop for now, and hopefully we can connect next week, and hopefully we'll have our internet uh, up and working. So, wonderful. Appreciate your questions, time, and interest. Thank you all very much. Thank you.